the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, we have come to the month of September. And believe it or not, as I see various deals popping up online, I have already started purchasing and hiding Christmas gifts for my boys. Perhaps it's the Chinese in me, but I am a sucker for a good deal. Uh, Don't worry, I still get them what they want. I just find deals on them, not that Chinese. Just wear the pink dress, son. Work to bed. No one has to see it. It's a good deal. No, I don't do stuff like that. But with the holiday season just around the corner, we know that this will soon increase in speed and volume, the purchasing and then the giving of gifts. And it is inevitable, because it happens every year, that in a couple months, my parents, as well as my in-laws, will ask my wife and I, what do the boys want? What are they into now? And perhaps more importantly, so that they can get the gifts right, as they are growing, what size do they wear? Although the answers to those questions change year to year, I can definitively tell you what I will never say. I will never say, just get a medium for everyone. Three kids, different ages, different growth spurts. I will also never say, you know what, uh, Uh, We're giving them all scooters, so mom, dad, Bob, Diane, you get them all scooters too. Everyone, every kid gets three scooters. No, I would never say that. It's not a one-size-fits-all situation. Everyone has different likes, different stages of life. We give particular answers for each particular child because there is variety within our family. Not everyone is the same. And not everyone plays the same role in our home. Come Christmas Day, I'll tell you something else I will never say. When they are opening up their gifts from their grandparents and their eyes get wide and they say, I can't believe I got this. I will never say, oh, you like that? That came from me. No, I will give credit where credit is due. I will never say, oh, you didn't want that? Okay, just throw it in your closet and never use it. No, I say be thankful and don't let it go to waste. And most importantly, as my wife, myself, and all the grandparents know, we have more than one child. So share. Thankfully, they always do that, even if it's something that's clearly meant for one. You must share. This is the same with how God gives spiritual gifts. Not physical gifts, but spiritual gifts. With variety, with a desire that we acknowledge Him, be thankful, glorify Him, and that we share. 
Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 7. And as we continue our study of spiritual gifts, we look at these concepts of how He gives, why He gives, what we are to do, giving Him glory and sharing. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 7, we find ourselves in the second message of a multi-part series looking at 1 Corinthians 12 through 14. Let me read this for you. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 7. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. There are varieties of, of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons, but to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. See, the manner in which He gives, gifts us is more than just for our happiness, as is often the case with Christmas gifts. It's part of His plan. His plan for a growing church as a body, as a family, as His children, to glorify Him and bring light to the world. And I think we would all agree that though we may not fully understand it, it is an infinitely wise and good plan. And so this morning as we unpack these verses, I want to give you three necessities. It's a mouthful. Three necessities of spiritual gifts in the outworking of God's eternally wise plan for the church. Three necessities of spiritual gifts in the outworking of God's eternally wise plan for the church. The first necessity of spiritual gifts is the portioning of gifts. The portioning of gifts. In verses 4 through 6, you will see a repeated pattern. Actually, two repeated patterns by the same two words repeated twice. In this uh, verse, or in this point, we will cover verses 4 through 6 and the focus on the word varieties. Don't worry, we'll get to the second part of each verse in our next point. And so this repeated pattern... Varieties of gifts, varieties of ministries, varieties of effects. Same English word, same Greek word. And we talked about this last week. This emphasizes that there is not a one-size-fits-all aspect of spiritual gifts or a one-size-fits-all aspect of how different Christians serve. It's not cookie cutter. We are to serve God. We are to serve His people. We are to serve the world. That's a non-negotiable. That's a standard requirement for all Christians how, however, the way that these three things are manifested will vary from believer to believer based on each individual spiritual gift. And we can be sure that God gifts us in a way that we can use our spiritual gift in whatever local church we may be at, even if we move to a church that does things differently than our last church that we served in, even if the culture is more conservative than our last church that we were in. Speaking of the culture, the secular culture around us. The word varieties in the Greek means what it means in our language. The NIV says different kinds. The ESV or the KJV rather says differences. Those are all meanings of this word. In the Greek, it is an old word that means distinctions or differences, division, variety. But unlike our modern word, the Greek also carries the idea of distributions, allotments, 
apportionments. In other words, gifts that are not just variegated, gifts that are distributed in a variety of forms. He gives different gifts to different recipients, but he gives. The emphasis here in all three uses of the word in this passage is not on the giving out of the gifts, but on the result of the giving, which is that each believer has his or her own particular gift or gifts to be used for the Lord. So what is given by God in various forms? Gifts, verse 4, ministries, verse 5, and effects, verse 6. Let's start with verse 4. Gifts, as you will recall from last week, comes from the root word meaning grace. This is a gift of grace. It is a free gift. You did not earn it. You do not deserve it. In the truest sense of the word, it is a gift. And what makes this gift so special is that it is connected to God, who is the only one who can truly manifest grace without any semblance of selfishness or sin. He truly gives it out of grace. To put it another way, the word gifts, as a derivative of the word grace, emphasizes the gift's divine source. They come from God. And thereby, they highlight God's generosity. We must then not see our spiritual gifts as a source of pride or a merit badge of spirituality. He gave me this because I deserved it, because of how spiritual I am. No, it is a symbol of undeserved grace. As such, there is no room for arrogance in the believer There is no room for judgment towards those who have a seemingly lesser gift or a less prominent gift, a gift that cannot be used on a Sunday morning or in front of a live stream or a congregation. He gives them all. He's in charge. It is grace. All our gifts were received undeservedly and chosen by the giver, not by us, not earned by us. But think about it. If that is true, that because of the grace of the gift, we have no right to be cocky or arrogant because of our service or spiritual gift, then there is also no room for a lack of service because it is a grace gift. There is no room for legalism to do things just because you're supposed to do them rather than for God's glory. And there is no room to abuse one's spiritual gift which would be using it for unholy gain, whether material or social. So things like finances or popularity. God's grace in bestowing us with spiritual gifts reminds us that we are to use them and view them in a way that reflects that very grace. He gave it to you, but He gave it to you because of His plan. Speaking of words that have powerful roots, the next category mentioned in verse 5 is varieties of ministries. But note, Paul is not saying that the variety lies in the fact that you have gifts and then you have ministries. He's not saying there's varieties. For example, some have gifts, some have ministries. No, he's still talking about all of us. He is saying there are a variety of different gifts and there are a variety of different ministries. This is the same basic Greek term, the word ministries, 
as the word serve and servant. He is saying that there are different types of ministries or service, as the ESV and NIV put it. If you're familiar with the root word of the title deacon, it is also the same root word, service. It is one who serves. Ministries is service. There are different types, varieties of ministries, varieties of services. Same word, same thing. And so as with spiritual gifts, the Lord provides a diversity of ministries and no one ministry, and this is important, no one ministry has any special claim on glorifying Christ's lordship. Regardless of your ministry, as long as you are using your spiritual gift and are involved in some sort of ministry, then we are all honoring Him. We are all holding claim to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And I do want to say on a side point, don't get, uh, don't get distracted or confused by this word ministries as we use it in the American church culture. You have a ministry even if you're not on a ministry team. That's connected to the, the philosophy of ministry or the structure of this particular local church. You have ministries in your home. You have ministries with other church people, even though you don't have a title or you're not part of setup team, worship team. You understand what I'm saying? We all have ministries. We need to stop seeking and saying, I want to serve, so what team do I join? You don't have to join a team. You're on the best team. That is the team of the family of God. Use your grace gifts and have it outwork into your ministry. And so, whether it's a humbler form of service, such as an everyday act of grace, or a weekly sermon preached to a congregation of thousands, it all comes from the Lord and it is instituted according to His will. There is a variety, and He provides them all. One of the issues that we will see Paul address regarding the Corinthians and their misuse of spiritual gifts is that they valued some gifts over others to the degree that some were getting cocky, some were getting arrogant, and it was causing division within the church. For them, it was the sign gifts. Oh, look at my speaking in tongues. What do you do? I'm better than you. God needs me more. I'm better for the church. And that's why Paul goes into this huge, long discourse of biblical love and without love it's all worthless anyway because they weren't exhibiting love but that's for a later time so thinking that some gifts are somehow better than others and so i as a preacher are somehow serving in a more godly way than you are that's a man-made structure that is concocted in the mind of sinful man it's not found in god and again, you do have to grasp the understanding of roles and that leading versus submission does not make one less and one better. And when you grasp that, you understand that there are varieties of ministries and we are all co-laborers, we are all equal, though the Bible says you need to do what I say. We're still all in this together. It's just differences in roles, varieties of ministries. It is not God's intention 
or desire for me to think I am better than you or for you to think I am better, you are better than me. That comes from man. That comes from our pride. That comes from churches borrowing the mentality of corporate America rather than basing their local church on the plan and purposes of Scripture. There's a lot we can learn from the negative example of the ancient Corinthians, a primary lesson being that spiritual gifts are not given by God for self-edification. This is inherent in the word that means to serve. It is not just for you. Even in our modern understanding, to speak of serving oneself is a witty, irregular use of the word serve or service. The normal Usual usage of the word serve means to serve other people. Imagine if this church paid me to study all week, which I do, preparing, going over notes, finding the right verbiage, digging deep into the Greek and Hebrew, so that come Sunday morning, I can get dressed, stand in front of the mirror, and only preach to myself with zero benefit to anybody else. I would grow, I would learn, I would be edified, but that's not what spiritual gifts and ministries are for. It's not just for me, and whatever your spiritual gift is, it's not just for your own self-edification. Then finally in verse 6. You have varieties of effects. The other major English translations have activities or working or operations, all, of course, pointing to the same thing. Literally, this word means that which is worked out or energized, that which is performed or accomplished through some sort of energy. So we are reminded here that spiritual gifts and the service we render with those gifts are from God. What we are doing is impossible without Him. Which, by the way, distinguishes a spiritual gift from a talent or natural ability. A spiritual gift is something directly given by God, and it's not something that you can come up with yourself or not something you could do without God's help and provision. So here's what Paul's saying with varieties of effects. Regardless of what gift or ministry you have among the wide variety of gifts and ministries, you will find that it has results when you practice them properly. And those results will vary. And those varying results occur again because God is producing the real-world spiritual effects of your efforts. He is the one who is accomplishing your spiritual efforts, gifts, ministries. It is all by the power of God. And so, as long as we are faithful, as long as we are using our spiritual gifts, as long as we are not using them sinfully, which in part means actually using them, but also not using them for our own glorification or the edification of our pocketbook or just our family or whatever it may be, there will be a result, and even the results, the effects, are empowered by God. And there are a variety There are men who preach the gospel every single day. There are men who in church history, and I'm sure today, 
have normal secular jobs, but make it a point that they do not go home until they have shared the gospel with someone. And there are stories of these men walking home on a rainy day before cars were invented or were affordable because of a long, hard day at the factory, wanting to just plop in bed and pass out for the night, realizing they had not shared the gospel, and say they go out somehow finding someone in the middle of the night to preach the gospel to them. And some of those people that do that every single day of their Christian lives, nobody accepts the gospel. And there are others who ashamedly, embarrassingly, were, are forced to share their testimony. And in that little time of 30 minutes that they take to share what should have taken two minutes, a dozen people come to saving knowledge of the Lord. That is a variety of effects, and that's all done by God. There are churches that preach like I do, that started the exact month that our church started with the exact number of people and their congregations are now three four hundred people there are varieties of effects of effects that doesn't bother me i'm not jealous i want to be faithful and i let god handle the results i have nothing to do with that so long as i'm not going into seeker sensitive preaching or twisting the Scriptures, or offering unbiblical objects, or spiritual food, or unspiritual food in that case, to attract more people, then God will provide the results as He sees fit. Ethnic church, diverse church, all young people, mix of people, all senior citizens, God has and provides a varieties of effects. We just use our gifts, be faithful to our ministries, seek His glory through results, but ultimately trust Him for the results. He will do as He sees fit. And that's a wonderful truth and reality to rest upon. So, you have gifts which are used for service, which in the end result in a diversity of accomplishments which will vary from person to person. Which, by the way, if you take this concept back far enough that God is working and, and causing the effects, you go back far enough that even you understand that even your saving faith was a gift and an effect from the power of God. Nothing you did, nothing you deserved. So, as we've seen thus far and will continue to see, The repeated figure in the gift-giving is the Holy Spirit. He is the main character as it pertains to the members of the Godhead throughout chapters 12, 13, and 14. However, in this passage, we have all three members of the Trinity involved. So let's talk about this in our next necessity of spiritual gifts, the participation of the Godhead. The participation of the Godhead. All three have given and empower us so that the spiritual gifts are effective for this eternally wise plan for the church. The participation of the Godhead. Circle back to verses 4 through 6 and notice that all three members of the Godhead are mentioned. 
There are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. Varieties of ministries and the same Lord. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. There are varieties of effects, but the same God. That is God the Father who works all things in all persons. Paul makes a point that all spiritual gifts and their related services and results are a Trinitarian work. They are all involved. We do worship one God after all. But within that one God working out his plan for the world, we do see nuances again of different roles that they each play in the outworking of the Father's plan. We know that it is the Holy Spirit that is the giver of gifts. Service or ministries we do under the Lordship in obedience to Christ. That is, we submit to him by obeying him. God the Father is the one whose plan and purposes are being fulfilled by us and by the Son and the Spirit. All that to say, what we are talking about, though the Holy Spirit's activity is stressed throughout the passage, is the work of God in our lives through the church. Though it is helpful theologically, Paul's main point here is not to make distinctions of the roles of the various members of the Trinity. His pertinent point in this context, is found in the repeated word, same. Same Spirit, same Lord, same God. So whether we're talking about the gifts, the ministries, or the effects, we are not to be misled by the variety because it is only one, the same one, who gives all of them and, at the end of verse 6, works all things in all persons. Again, don't be confused. Because we look at the variety and we don't say, man, this got to be something different. This can't all be from God. Yes, it's all from God. And we praise Him for that. We thank Him for that. He works all things in all persons. And what this means for the ancient Corinthians is stop causing disunity because of the diversity of gifts. Because God gave them all to all of you. And so why would you cause disunity? So Corinthians, stop causing disunity because of the diversity of gifts. But what this means for us today is stop causing disunity because of the diversity of gifts. Ours may not be as blatant as the ancient Corinthians, but we can still cause issues in our local church. Disunity. Whether it's judging someone for not serving, even though they are serving, they just have a different spiritual gift than you do or than you would like. Or thinking you're better than someone else. Simply because God gave you A and God gave her B and neither you or she deserved either, frankly. Or causing disunity, worse yet, thinking because God gave those people A, B, and C, I don't need to serve at all. Not using the gift He's given you. And somehow thinking that you are justified in doing that because 60% of the church is serving. Same God. Same God. He's given all of us a responsibility and a privilege and a means to use that privilege of service through a spiritual gift and a ministry and an effect. Speaking of God, whether it's not serving or thinking your service is above another's or better than someone else's, 
thereby making you think you're better than someone else. We have the ultimate pattern in Jesus Christ whose own self-description was that He came not to be served, but to serve. So how is it that you're better? How is it that you can think you're better because of your spiritual gift or frankly, think you're better and don't need to serve? You say, that's strange. I get it. It's hard to serve sometimes, especially if you're introvert, especially if you don't know where to serve. But we all have a place. And we welcome you to join us in using your spiritual gift. But there are times that people don't serve because they think they're better. They still think they're outside of the local church. They still have a me and them mentality. And you say, well, I don't understand how not serving makes someone think they're better than those who are serving. If you walked into a room where a company was active and everyone was packing boxes, moving boxes, putting labels, doing something, everyone was serving. But there's one guy in the corner not serving, you would automatically say, that must be the boss. That must be the manager. Because he's just watching everyone else serve while he does nothing. And we want to be careful that we don't think we're better than others. And contrary to the very Lord we profess, to say, hey, this is the church, so I come to, to be served, not serve. The fact that we are saved, gifted, and empowered by the same God means that we are all unified. Not just in our salvation, but in our purpose as well. And that purpose is met through our spiritual gifts. And our final necessity of spiritual gifts, the purpose of giving. The purpose of giving. We're looking at necessities of spiritual gifts and the outworking of God's eternally wise plan for the church. We've seen the portioning of gifts. We've seen the participation of the Godhead. And finally, the purpose of the giving. Verse 27. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Right off the bat, Paul points out again that everyone is given a spiritual gift. It says, to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit, is what he calls it here. Is something that makes another thing known, clear, or evident. We use that word today, right? It is manifested. My love for you is manifested in this attention I'm giving you. It's something that makes another thing known, clear, or evident. And by referring to the spiritual gifts as the manifestation of the Spirit, this is what Paul is saying. He's saying that the Holy Spirit makes Himself known through the gifts. Okay, up here guys. We're having some technical difficulties. Focus. He is saying that through your spiritual gifts, by using them, um. we are manifesting the Spirit. We are making Him. I wonder if the other church is picking up our, our wireless mic. Sure. We're going to change channels.
another church came in and booked that room. And so, but uh, if you saw in your bulletin, we are moving. Praise God. Good news. Um, But let's go back to our text. So, again, a manifestation is something that makes another thing known, clear, or evident. By referring to the spiritual gifts as a manifestation of the Spirit, he's saying that the Holy Spirit makes himself known through the gifts. To put it in reverse or another way, by exercising our spiritual gifts, we are making the Holy Spirit known to others. Why wouldn't you want to do that? We are putting him on display. You say, why? You know, I I feel like serving is just doing good things. Going to feed the homeless or uh, being kind to people. That's not a spiritual gift. Again, a spiritual gift is something that God has given you that an unbeliever cannot do. And so when we do those things and we serve one another and we serve Him, even if it's not serving the world but the world looks on and sees a difference in us, a power in us, we put the Holy Spirit on display. How is this possible? Someone might ask. I'll show you why. You've done this maybe with technology. Whoa, how did you do that? Oh, it's the new iPhone. It has this feature if you go here, here, here. Whoa! I didn't think that was possible. How do, you, how do you guys do that? Well, let me explain to you the reality of God and how He gifts His people to put Himself on display. The purpose of this, all of this that we've looked at this morning is we see for the common good. The profit of all with the aim of being advantageous to everyone. This phrase comes from a word that literally means, and this is great, to bring together the common good. This is a reminder that we are to seek unity through the mutual use of spiritual gifts. The reason we are given spiritual gifts is for others, and again, not for self-glorification or any other compound self-word for that matter. You are not to use your spiritual gifts for self-affirmation, self-fulfillment, self-glorification, self-seeking, self-advancement, self-promotion, self-satisfaction, which many of those, by the way, are reasons why people don't serve because they just want to be happy and enjoy their lives. Spiritual gifts often play out in serving particular individuals rather than the church as a whole, and that's fine. That's the point. Because as you build up others, you build up the whole. You've got to understand this. We are all part of the church. It's like, a, it's like a, a tent post. It's just one of many posts, but when you lift that tent up, the whole tent rises up. When you serve one individual with your spiritual gift, you are building up the whole. You are familiar that back when the church was just starting in the beginning of Acts, we read in Acts 4.32 that all these new believers were of one heart and one soul. And not one of them claimed that anything belonging to them was his own, but all things were common property. And so they would sell everything and give it to the church. And then the apostles would use that money to build up the church and for ministry as they saw fit. God was so serious about this that when Ananias and Sapphira held some back, he struck them dead, you remember. Remember? 
Although this is not required or practiced in the church today, at least regarding physical possessions, the principle is still true and plays out in spiritual gifts. The Holy Spirit gave you as an individual a particular spiritual gift. And in doing so, He gave that gift to the whole church for our common good. It is your gift to be sure. But when viewed properly, it will be used for the betterment of all of us. In other words, it hurts all of us when you don't use it. Imagine a scene you've probably watched on television before. Impoverished country. A Christian aid worker standing in the back of a cargo truck filled with food for starving people that are crowding around the back of that truck. And as that aid worker who is familiar with that village recognizes several people from the same family, he starts giving out food, but each individual family member can only carry so much. So to the dad, he gives a bag of rice. To the mom, he gives a sack of flour. To the oldest son, some meat. To the youngest boy, a basket of vegetables. And even though each family member is given an item, the assumption is that they will go home and share it all and have a communal meal for the common good. Can each of those individuals go to a corner and only eat what is in their arms without sharing? Yes, they can. Can he enjoy that food without sharing? No doubt. Is he sinning against the man in the truck and against his family in doing so? Absolutely. When all is said and done, they will all be full. They may have enjoyed their meal, but the whole family is malnourished. You may not be serving. You may be using your spiritual gift for your own good and you are content. You are happy. You are satisfied. But we are malnourished. Going back to Corinth again, Paul is stressing the unity found in this diversity which is only possible if that diversity is used for the whole body. I look at the church today and the irony is that those who most often criticize their local church for not doing enough or being exclusive are also those who are not using their spiritual gifts. They are not serving. And in so doing, they are the ones hindering unity, if not actively causing disunity. Listen, you got problems with this church? You're pointing out our weaknesses and our failures? You are absolutely right. We are not perfect. We have weaknesses. We have failures. But do you not realize that those weaknesses and failures may very well be because not everyone is using their spiritual gift? In other words, our weaknesses and failures that you are criticizing are because you are not filling the gaps that you so readily recognize but do nothing about. 
thereby causing some of us who are not gifted in certain areas to fulfill ministries in which we are gifted, but then we're pulling everyone else's weight because the people who are gifted in those vacant areas are not using their gifts. And so we have people who are gifted that are serving in ministries they're not supposed to because they are not equipped to do those things where God has equipped people to do those things, but those people refuse to do it. Familiar with race cars? It's like a race car pit crew, right? Tires are going down, there's not enough gas, and so he comes in and within like a minute, you got everyone on the crew taking off tires, putting on tires, putting gas in, wiping the bugs off the windshield. It's like a member of a race car pit crew criticizing the rest of the team. It's two minutes, now three minutes. We're not going to win this, win this race. This car can't even drive. And the whole time he's holding one of the four tires that he's supposed to put on, refusing to do it but criticizing the rest of the crew, while the guy with the gasoline and the guy with the, with the water and soap to clear the windshield has to run back to the garage to find a fourth tire because this guy is too busy criticizing and won't do his job. You have a problem with the t- church, then serve it. You have a problem with your job, not your job, quit. That's fine. No problem. But that's not how the church works. We are all gifted and thus in God's eternally wise plan, whatever local church you find yourself in needs your spiritual gift to function within that plan. And when you serve, not only will you potentially fix the problems but you will help others better use their own gifts. Not just through your example and encouragement, but again, so they no longer have to pull your weight. There's a reason God gave you a spiritual gift. It is to use it for us. Just as God gave us spiritual gifts to use them for you. We must understand that God has created a variety, but the variety is not just for fun. It's not, for, not, not like a buffet or a cafeteria where there's a huge variety and you can pick and choose and not pick everything, and that's great. That's not how the church works. The church is like that family that was given food by the aid worker. They need a balanced diet to survive and to thrive. Will they exist just eating rice? Sure. Can they exist just eating meat? Yes, Ray does. Will they exist just eating vegetables? Yes, many people, especially in California, do. But they're malnourished. We need a well-rounded diet, and that means all of us must use our spiritual gifts. The portioning of the gifts the participation of the Godhead, the purpose of the giving. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit 
for the common good. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the incredible privilege, not only of commanding us to serve, but also giving us the ability to serve and knowing that we can trust you for the results. Help us to excel still more, whether that's starting to serve, whether that's serving more efficiently, more in a way that's equal to what you desire. Help us to excel still more if that means, as an unbeliever, someone needs to turn to a saving knowledge of you. Use us, Father, for your glory in how we serve you and serve one another and serve the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.